lovely. Wow. Aren't we lucky to have heard that original recording of an old lady sat in her living room in 1543 making a lovely cup of tea. Mesmerising. Hello and welcome back to the... My belly, my belly's going crazy. It's really getting in the way of recording this actually. Can you hear that? Good grief. Let's try that again, shall we? Welcome back to the final couplet with me, Theo Cowan. What a time to be alive. We've looked at Sonnet 18 and it was a corker. It was a classic. And I enjoyed reading it and putting a little story to it. And today, can you guess which sonnet we're going to look at? This might come as a bit of a surprise to you, but yes, that's right. It's Sonnet 19. 19. We are one sonnet away from Sonnet 20, which is a bit of a landmark, I would say. That's 20 episodes. 20 continuous weeks of Shakespeare being debunked by me. You lucky, you lucky, lucky listeners. Anyway. Let's dive in to Sonnet 19, shall we? Sonnet 19 Devouring time, blunt thou the lion's paws, And make the earth devour her own sweet brood. Pluck the keen teeth from the fierce tiger's jaws, And burn the long-lived phoenix in her blood. Make glad and sorry seasons as thou fleetest, and do whate'er thou wilt, swift-footed time, to the wide world and all her fading sweets. But I forbid thee one most heinous crime. O carve not with thy hours my love's fair brow, nor draw no lines there with thine antique pen. Him in thy course untainted do allow for beauty's pattern to succeeding men. Yet do thy worst, old time, despite thy wrong, my love shall in my verse ever live young. Oh, an interesting one. Now we've heard Shakespeare talk about time before and how it's making people old, obviously, so that's what time does. Stupid Shakespeare. But... Previously, it's been sort of, you're getting old, you need to have a kid. And now it's just, oh no, you're getting old and getting all wrinkly. And that kind of sucks. So I've written a little poem just to remember when you were hot and young. I think that's the vibe of this one. I'd say as as the, the, the sonnets go on, I'm noticing Shakespeare getting a little bit more cocky is the word for me. I think he's maybe getting some success. People are liking his sonnets and he's gone, yeah, they are bloody good actually. So they can preserve youth. My writing can preserve youth. How do you like that? Interesting stuff. Right, let's work out what the hell he's talking about. Devouring time. 
Blunt thou the lion's paws, and make the earth devour her own sweet brood. So that just means devouring time. Blunt. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, this one. Devouring time. Go on. Blunt the lion's paws, and make the earth eat her own creatures. Devour her own you know, animals and everything. Pluck the keen teeth from the fierce tiger's jaws and burn the long-lived phoenix in her blood. So, you know, take out the sharp teeth of the, of the tiger, of the fierce tiger's jaws, and set fire to the phoenix in its own blood. Pretty, you know, phoenix fire. So you should, I guess it's just set the phoenix on fire in its own blood. It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? Hell of an image, that. Make glad and sorry seasons as thou fleetest. That's just, you know, make, ha- make happy and, and sad times. Make, make good and bad times as you, as you, as you go by. And do whate'er thou wilt, swift-footed time, to the wide world and all her fading sweets. So, do whatever you want, quick time. Do whatever you want to the whole world and all its slowly fading sweets. You know, lovely things, the lovely things in the world. Do whatever you want. To all the lovely things in the world. Hell of a statement, that. I'd never say that out loud. But I forbid thee one most heinous crime. There's always a but in a Shakespeare sonnet, and I like that. So saying, do... I mean, it's a hard one to follow, you know, after saying, do what literally whatever you want, all of Earth's delights. But, okay? But I... Deny, I forbid you to commit one heinous crime. O carve not with thy hours my love's fair brow. Don't you bloody dare put some wrinkles in my love's forehead. All right, that, honestly, do whatever you want to the world, but just Please, for God's sake, don't give my lover wrinkles. That is, that's horrible. No one likes wrinkles. And this was obviously, of course, before Botox. So, yeah, think about that. Nor draw no lines there with thine antique pen. And don't draw lines on the forehead with your, with your old pen. Don't do it. World, Earth, don't do that. Don't do that. Do whatever you want in the world to anything ever, to all the nice things, but do not give me wrinkles, all right? Him in thy course untainted do allow for beauty's pattern to succeeding man. Let him, I guess my love, go through time untainted to serve as as the sort of model of beauty i'd I, I think that means 
to the men that are going to come. Let him be the example to the succeeding men. It's a lot to ask, isn't it? It's a, it's a hell of a lot to ask from Shakespeare. Yet do thy worst, old time. Despite thy wrong, my love shall in my verse ever live young. So he's saying, actually, do your worst, old time. Despite your wrongs, you got a lot of them, my love will actually live young forever through my poetry. Weird ending, that one. Because it's not really summing up what he's talked about before. Before he's saying, listen, do whatever you want. Set a phoenix on fire. Yeah, do whatever you want to the earth. Honestly, take away all the good things from earth. I don't care. Don't look at me. I don't care. But don't give my lover wrinkles on his forehead. All right. Don't do that. Do not do that. And then it gets to the final couplet and he's like, actually, if you, you know, you just do whatever you want. But just so you know, my, my sonnets will actually keep him young. So don't need you anyway. So it's sort of a pointless sonnet, really, this one. I'd say 19, sonnet 19 is the pointless sonnet. And I think some historians might have labelled that. Um, sonnet 19, the pointless sonnet in brackets. So um, I'm glad we got to the bottom of what, of what it all means. Now, let's put this to our story. And I was going to make it a new story, but I think this sort of follows on from our last episode. If you remember, I introduced the producer character, Philip, of course, and uh, lovely David, who was a terrible actor, but was incredibly hot. And Shakespeare was quite taken with that because he, he doesn't really care about talent. He only cares about looks, famously. So... Shakespeare had taken David to the globe at night to show him how beautiful it is and he performed one of his sonnets up on stage for David and that is where we left off. Let's find out what happens next. Shakespeare finished reading Sonnet 18 to David at the Globe Theatre in the moonlight. He looks up from his paper and him and David share an intense look. David said, Bill, I hope you don't mind me calling you Bill. And Shakespeare said, please, David, call me whatever you wish. And David says, okay, Billy. And Shakespeare says, not, don't, not Billy. I don't like Billy. Bill's fine. And David said, of course, sorry. Uh, anyway, I thought that was the most magical poem ever. I didn't know you looked at me that way. And Shakespeare said, of course I do. Of course I do, David. You're stunning. You're beautiful. You're... And then the moonlight catches David's face and Shakespeare sees some faint wrinkles forming on his forehead. He does a double take 
and he tries to ignore it. He said, of course I, I, I love you, David, but the moonlight keeps shining intensely on David's forehead and he can't get the wrinkles out of his mind. He becomes sad. A single tear rolls down his cheek and David says, why are you crying, Shakespeare? And Shakespeare says, no, it's nothing. It's nothing, David. Um, listen, we, we better get home. I'll, uh, I'll see you in rehearsals tomorrow. And David says, okay, uh, well, thanks again for the poem. And Shakespeare says, no, no problem, as he runs off. He gets home, opens the door and runs up to his bedroom. He starts uncontrollably crying on his bed, tears streaming down his face. He's so uncontrollably upset about the wrinkles forming on David's beautiful young face. And he can't get it out of his head. Days go by. He's in rehearsals with David and he's trying to give him direction. But he just can't keep his eyes off David's wrinkles. And he thinks, God, he would be so beautiful. He, he should be able to stay how he is. These wrinkles are making him ugly. And I hate that. So he thinks, you know what? I'm going to go home and write another sonnet. And this sonnet will be so good, it will preserve David's youth and beauty. And it will stop him getting any more wrinkles. That's how good it will be. I'm going to write a poem to time. And he goes back home, pulls out his quill, dips it into the ink and writes Sonnet 19. It was nearing 1am when he finally finished writing Sonnet 19. He held it up to the light. It was a work of art, he thought. And he ran out of his house and he thought, I need to read this now, to time, to time itself. And he thought, where, where can I find something that represents time? Eventually he goes, bingo! A clock tower. There's a clock tower in Moorgate. And he started running as fast as his little high heels could take him along the cobbled streets of London. After an hour of running, he realised he should have definitely taken his horse. But oh well, it's too late now. He eventually arrived at the clock tower and looked up at the enormous clock face. And he thought, Perfect. Time will finally hear my poem and it will halt all signs of ageing on David's forehead. He whips out Sonnet 19 from his back pocket, clears his throat and shouts up at the clock tower. Sonnet 19 devouring time. Go on, blunt the lion's paws, 
Let the earth eat all her own animals. Pluck the sharp teeth from the fierce lion's jaws and burn the long-lived phoenix in her own blood. Make good and bad times fly on by and honestly, do whatever you want, swift-footed time, to the wide world and all its disappearing delights. But... I absolutely forbid you to commit one heinous crime. Oh, do not carve wrinkles in my love's forehead for God's sake. And don't draw lines there with your old pen. Let him pass through time untainted so that he serves as the model of beauty for the men that succeed him. But anyway... Do your worst, old time. Despite your wrongs, my love will stay young forever in my poems. I really enjoyed this sonnet. It is Shakespeare at his most arrogant. And he's talking to a bloody clock. He's lost it. He's absolutely lost his mind. And I love it. I love that. Hopefully there's more of that sort of stuff to come. Because I think we're slowly seeing Shakespeare unravel through his sonnets. So it's a fascinating glimpse at his life. And you're hearing it right here on the final couplet. You lucky, lucky listeners. Anyway, until next week. Bye.